trying out for a clinical trial. And he had two different trials he was trying out for two days in a row. And it was so late when I read about this that I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go out and get coconut oil, much less MCT oil. And so we went for the screening in the morning. Um, he needed to get at least 16 points on a 30-point memory test, and he got only 14 points. And we were devastated. He did not get into that clinical trial. The doctor had him draw a clock, and um, what he drew was a few, no big circle, a few little random circles and a few numbers just kind of scattered on the page. And she said, told me he was on the verge of severe Alzheimer's. And, you know, uh, that was pretty devastating, but I kind of knew it already. And um, so we went and bought some coconut oil on the way home. And then I figured out from the fat, fatty acid composition of the coconut oil, which I was able to look up on a USDA website, I found out that it was 60% medium chain triglycerides. So I figured out how much coconut oil I would need to give him that would be equal to the dose of that medical food that I had read about. So the next day he was trying out again for a, a different clinical trial, different location. And um, it was gonna be in the early afternoon. So I gave him, it turned out to be a little over two tablespoons of coconut oil, which is a lot of oil, <laughs> but I put it in his oatmeal and he ate it just fine. Didn't have any problem with it. I took it. I got indigestion <laughs> from that much, you know, the first time, but I don't have a gallbladder so that, but I got used to it. But anyway, so he took the coconut oil and we go for the testing about three hours later. And he got, he gained four whole points from the day before and he qualified for the clinical trial. And it was kind of astonishing because you know, with this medical food, the 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 uh, press release I read about was a trial where it was just a single dose of this MCT oil that nine out of 20. Namaste, sweet souls. My name is Shilpa and you're listening to the Omni Mindfulness Podcast. I am a mindset and meditation coach for professional women and mompreneurs. The purpose of the show is to offer stories and content that allows you to increase your awareness of your authentic self and be inspired by connecting to the personal and professional stories of other souls. Souls who are walking the walk and living everyday human experiences with inspired intentions. These are the stories that will expand your consciousness and spark within you to ask, what if? Each season, I offer content to help you create a holistic lifestyle that embodies spirituality, mindfulness, mindset, and energy awareness. Through my conversations with experts in their niche area and solo casts from yours truly, my intention is to help you holistically revitalize, reset, and relax your body, mind, and spirit. I'm your host and founder of Omni Mindfulness. So ask yourself, what if just one story could be the catalyst to shift the trajectory of my life? What if I become instrumental in serving other souls to realize their true self? And what if my soul's higher purpose is in the realization of omni-mindfulness joy? It's never too late to rewrite your story. And now, today's episode. 
Welcome back, sweet souls. This is your host, Shilpa. I wanted to share some exciting news about a little challenge I'm running as I'm trying to get more people to discover this podcast and the conversations that inspire those who value personal growth. And the best way to do that is to leave reviews. You can leave a review on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcast. So my request to you is to leave a review if you feel that you've received any value at all from these episodes of Omni Mindfulness. It would mean so much to me if you could write a little review regarding any episode that resonated with you. Please take a screenshot of that review and email it to me at omnimindfulness at gmail.com. In return, I will offer you my one-page guide to spark your meditation practice through Sankalpa. Sankalpa is a Sanskrit word for intention setting. Along with this, you'll receive a link to my guided meditation that will guide you through an intention setting meditation, positive affirmations, which you can practice daily. I guarantee that this gift will help you start a daily intention setting practice with a spark. It is my gift for you for being a listener, being a supporter, and of course, to enable you to manifest the best meditation practice. We are now in the season of reflections, which is my fourth podcast season, highlighting spirituality, mindfulness, energy awareness, and mindset. And next up, I have the honor of having a conversation with Dr. Mary Newport. Dr. Mary Newport was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, and graduated from Xavier University in Humanities and Pre-Medicine and the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine. She trained in pediatrics at the Children's Hospital Medical Center in Cincinnati, Ohio, and in neonatology at the Medical University Hospital in Charleston, South Carolina. And she is board certified in pediatrics and neonatology, the care of sick and premature newborns. She practiced neonatology for 30 years and was founding medical director for two newborn intensive care units in Tampa Bay area of Florida. More recently, she practiced at the opposite end of the spectrum, providing hospice care and more recently, health risk assessments. In 2008, she implemented a ketogenic nutritional intervention with coconut and medium chain triglyceride oil that dramatically helped her husband, Steve Newport, who had early onset Alzheimer's disease. In 2010, she guided her husband through the first pilot study of the beta-hydroxybutrate butanoil ketone ester in a person with Alzheimer's and co-authored a case report published in the Alzheimer's and Dementia in 2015 with Dr. Richard Vich and others. Her husband lost his battle with Alzheimer's and Lewy body dementia in 2016, and Dr. Newport carries on his legacy as an author of three books and international speaker on ketones as an alternative fuel for the brain. Dr. Newport is a certified ketogenic nutrition specialist through the American Society of Nutrition. Her fourth book, which became available in November of 2022, Clearly Keto for Healthy Brain Aging and Alzheimer's Prevention, 
intervention focuses on whole food ketogenic Mediterranean style diet, ketogenic strategies, and other lifestyle modifications to help prevent or slow down progression of Alzheimer's and other neurological conditions. And now, here's Dr. Mary Newport. Dr. Mary Newport, I am so honored to have you here. Oh, hi, Shobas. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Of course, it's super exciting. And when I saw on Facebook that you have this book, I thought it would be so nice to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned to you earlier, I um, believe that we can adapt the mindset that we can take control of our well-being. And particularly that is why I was drawn to your book, because you talk about the Mediterranean diet. Mm -hmm. You could give us a little bit of background for the people that are not aware of even the concept of keto. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, do you want me to talk about how I got started with keto? Okay. Yeah. So um, I am a physician. I practiced newborn intensive care for 30 years and then actually hospice for about three years after that. Um, but my husband, Steve, he had stayed at home. He was an accountant. It worked great for our family because he could do his work from home, but he developed Alzheimer's disease when he was, he began having symptoms when he was only 51 years old. And um, he was diagnosed at age 54 and was basically progressively getting worse over several years. And around 2008 is when the word ketone kind of came into my vocabulary <laughs> as such. Um, and it was because I came upon a press release about a medical food that was going to come out to help people with Alzheimer's and improve the memory in half the people that took it. And you'd never hear that about Alzheimer's drugs. They always say it might slow the decline, but they never say it improves Alzheimer's. Um, but this one claimed to improve memory. Um, so I found their patent application and I found out it was MCT oil, medium chain triglyceride oil. And I knew what it was because I'm a newborn specialist. We used to add that to the feedings of our tiniest preemies to help them grow faster and they'd get home faster. And then they started putting MCT oil in the um, formulas for premature newborns that they were developing in the 1980s. And one of the reasons they did that is because medium chain triglycerides, MCTs are in human breast milk. And so they're very important to the human newborn. And um, so like moms that are breastfed know that it takes several days for the milk to really start coming in and human babies are fat. So they start breaking down their fat. They actually go into ketosis um, during the first 10 or 12 hours of life when they're strictly breastfed. And then they also get um, uh, medium chains or MCTs in the breast milk. And this provides ketones to their brain as fuel. Yeah. So the newborn's operating off about 74% of its fuel as ketones um, during those early weeks of life um, and probably for a long time after that. And the ketones are building building blocks of the brain, the lipids in the brain. The brain's about 60 or 70% lipids and ketones are the building blocks. So um, uh, I read about all of this. And then what I learned in the patent application was that MCT oil is extracted from coconut oil. It's the richest natural source. And um, it just so happened that I learned about this the night before my husband was trying out for a clinical trial and he had two different trials he was trying out for two days in a row. 
And it was so late when I read about this that I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go out and get coconut oil, much less MCT oil. And so we went for the screening in the morning. Um, he needed to get at least 16 points on a 30 point memory test. And he got only 14 points and we were devastated. He did not get into that clinical trial. The doctor had him draw a clock and, um, what he drew was a few, no big circle, a few little random circles and a few numbers just kind of scattered on the page. And she said, told me he was on the verge of severe Alzheimer's and, you know, uh, that was pretty devastating, but I kind of knew it already. And um, so we went and bought some coconut oil on the way home. And then I figured out from the fat, fatty acid composition of the coconut oil, which I was able to look up on a USDA website, I found out that it was 60% medium chain triglycerides. So I figured out how much coconut oil I would need to give him that would be equal to the dose of that medical food that I had read about. So the next day he was trying out again for a, a different clinical trial, different location. And um, it was gonna be in the early afternoon. So I gave him, it turned out to be a little over two tablespoons of coconut oil, which is a lot of oil, <laughs> but I put it in his oatmeal and he ate it just fine. Didn't have any problem with it. I took it. I got indigestion <laughs> from that much, you know, the first time, but I don't have a gallbladder so that, but I got used to it. But anyway, so he took the coconut oil and we go for the testing about three hours later. And he got, he gained four whole points from the day before and he qualified for the clinical trial. And it was kind of astonishing because you know, with this medical food, the 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 uh, press release I read about was a trial where it was just a single dose of this MCT oil that nine out of 20 people improved their cognition, uh, their memory and other cognitive testing. So I thought, okay, this is possible. Maybe it's the coconut oil. Maybe it was just good luck. Maybe it was prayers, you know, um, but we're going to keep it going. So I started giving them that amount every morning for breakfast. And then I thought, but as I was reading about the MCT oil, the key, well, what happens when you consume MCT oil is that part of it's converted to ketones by the liver. And this doesn't, it, it doesn't matter what you eat, this happens. And that doesn't usually happen with other oils like olive oil or corn oil, peanut oil, anything like that. It, it's only with medium chain triglycerides that this happens. Um, so, um, you know, with MCT oil, the ketone levels peak at about 90 minutes and then they're gone at three hours. And I thought, okay, he's a man with Alzheimer's. He's got a problem with energy getting to his brain, fuel getting to his brain. Um, they have a problem with getting glucose into the brain and ketones are an alternative fuel to glucose. And they are taken up normally in the Alzheimer brain. There's research now showing that, you know, but I thought he needs, his brain needs fuel 24 seven, not just for three hours a day. So I started cooking with it throughout the day. I got cookbooks and all kinds of recipes and I just started cooking and we were drinking coconut milk, which is loaded with coconut oil and um, grated coconut, everything coconut. We loved, we, <laughs> I already loved coconut, but boy, do I really love coconut after that. And he just steadily improved. I mean, over four or five days, it was really remarkable how much he improved um, instead of being really sluggish in the morning and walking out very slowly and having tremors, he would have a tremor in his jaw and his hands. He, he would come kind of bouncing down the hall and whistling and much more talkative. And, and he could do things like getting water from the dispenser out of the refrigerator, which he hadn't been able to do. 
and find the right utensil in a drawer, you know, just simple things like that, you know, that are a big deal if you're <laughs> taking care of somebody with Alzheimer's, if you are somebody with Alzheimer's. And, uh, and then, you know, and he was always aware that he had it, you know, he knew what he used to be able to do, what he couldn't do anymore. You know, so we talked about how much like it just in four or five days that our life had changed, things were improving. And, you know, so I started like um, contacting, um, looking for ketone experts. And I, I found Dr. Richard Beach, who was an MD, PhD at the NIH. He'd been there for decades and he had been studying ketones um, really his whole career, but really intensively since the mid 1990s. And he had been developing a ketone ester. And um, he sent me all kinds of papers, hypothesis papers about how it could help people with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and congestive heart failure and all kinds of other neurological problems and diabetes. And, you know, um, because ketones is such a basic fuel and there's a big problem with insulin resistance, getting glucose into cells because of insulin resistance, diabetes and prediabetes, you know. Um, so he had been developing this ketone ester and, um, Steve, you know, continued to improve. And then about two years into doing this, um, the ketone ester had been tested and it had had toxicity testing um, and um, passed with flying colors, very few minimal side effects, you know, from taking ketone ester. And so my husband became a single person in a pilot study of the ketone ester, this ketone ester from the NIH. And it actually got published in 2015. Um, it turned him around even more, you know, it was really remarkable, the change. And he said he felt like he could do things easier. And that's what I could see. He could, you know, he would have to be talked through doing certain things and he could just do them automatically again, you know. Um, and I, it, it was just really remarkable. And and he was very stable for almost four years, you know, uh, improved and then stable. So four, almost four better quality years than the, the year before he started doing the coconut oil. And, um you know, it was just, I mean, if you say you had cancer, <laughs> if you got four extra years, that would be really remarkable. And I think for somebody with Alzheimer's, they have four better years at the point where he was in the disease. It was remarkable. It was really remarkable. And it was wonderful for us, you know, for our family and for him. So, um, you know, unfortunately he did, um, he had a, a problem where he had a seizure and he, the first, he had never had one. He fell straight back. He was standing up when it started and he hit his head and it lasted a long time, 20 minutes. And, um, and then he had another one on the way to the hospital. He turned blue, he stopped breathing and, and he, his brain already being very fragile. Um, he became dependent after that, you know, and he did end up passing away from Alzheimer's, but, you know, I say, you know, his story has a happy middle to the story, even though it has a sad ending because he did gain those extra almost four years. So that that's how I got involved in ketones. And, you know, and I, I felt like if he improved and there's this medical food, they, they, they had at two studies, you know, out by this time, the pilot study with one dose and then a another study that was 90 days and they, they still almost half the people showed improvement in cognition, you know, other people would improve too. If he improved, other people would improve too. And it kind of became my, my life's, um, you know, it was just my thing that I had to go out and um, tell as many people as possible uh, by writing and talking about it as much as I possibly could. <laughs> so I here thought, we are. <laughs> yeah. What a remarkable journey 
And it's um, while it's painful, it also shows how triumphant you were because you used your knowledge at a time where it was still kind of a new thing, right? Right. Yeah, we're talking about mindset. And I mean, some people might, well, you know, they might read the press release and not dig any deeper. Um, and, you know, I was determined to help him, you know, as much as possible. I was always looking for new studies. You know, another one that I had found was a couple of years before that. And it was, it showed that the Mediterranean diet, people with Alzheimer's who ate a Mediterranean diet, the the most Mediterranean-like diet lived four years longer than people that ate the least Mediterranean-like diet. And that was the first time it had ever occurred to me that nutrition could have anything to do with Alzheimer's, you know? Um, so, you know, applying the knowledge, you know, then you have the knowledge, but then you have to apply it and do it. And we completely revamped our diet um, because up to then, you know, um, even though I went through medical school training, doctors, uh, well, my age, <laughs> when I went through medical school, I got three hours one afternoon on nutrition. You know, we had biochemistry and you know other things that were kind of related to nutrition, but actual nutrition was three hours one afternoon. That's it. And doctors really aren't trained to think that way. They're trained to think about pharmaceuticals, um, you know, uh, treating patients basically through drug therapies and and, and now I understand that uh, medical schools are somewhere maybe around nine or 12 hours and not credit hours, hours of nutrition. And it still isn't nearly enough because doctors just, they don't have enough information to, to really um, help their patients that way, you know, with that, that kind of thing, unless they do research on their own, which is what I've, I've done, you know, um, really as a result of Steve, what happened with my husband, Steve. And what's fascinating about what you just expressed was intuitively i've been aware that nutrition is not something that is highlighted as a core um i would say a part of the education from medical professionals and right. much of the reason i contribute to my own well-being is because i've had to study things on my own mm -hmm. there's so much conflicting information out there i would say like five six years ago maybe less i was strongly into high intensity training. And all I could hear from coaches was, oh, you have to have your protein. Well, right. I I now have come to realize and I know this, I've even shared with you earlier that having an Indian diet often um, is a boon, a, a benefit because I, I hear mm -hmm. that a lot of regions where they have high, high turmeric or curcumin, they, there's mm -hmm. less evidence of brain metabolism issues. Yes. And that's true. And the area, um, I, I saw a study of, um, um, it was an area of um, India, and uh, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it exactly. It's K-E-R-A-L-A. Okay, Kerala? Kerala, uh, where there's a lot of coconut. Mm -hmm. You know, it's part of the, as a staple of the diet there. And they did a study of people coming into the emergency room that had memory impairment and um, and here in the U.S., about sixty or seventy percent of dementias are Alzheimer's. There, it was two percent of the dementias that oh. came in. <laughs> so, you know that kind of supports, you know, if you have coconut, you know that coconut oil that there really is something to this. You know that um, it, it is ketogenic because of the medium chain triglycerides in it. And then, but the, there are other things in it that I think also helped my my husband over time 
you know, the, the ketones address the fuel issue. There's, there's a problem. And this happens even in healthy older people. There's a gap in brain energy between how much energy your brain needs and how much it actually gets. And the brain shrinks a little bit every year. Um, so the brain just isn't taking in enough energy that uh, as much energy as it needs. So that can explain why some people kind of slow down cognitively as they get older, they get, they're slower to do things. They can't remember things as well. Um, you know, that that's what brain energy does, you know, part of what it does. It also helps you sleep well. <laughs> it controls everything about your being really your brain. Um, and it, it takes energy to do that. And I mean, even when you're sleep, it takes a tremendous amount of energy. Your brain does, even when you're sleeping, it, it is actively working to keep you asleep, for example. Hey, sweet souls, if you are seeking to start 2023 strong, then you are in for a treat. In 2023, I'm collaborating with the financial planner and author of Awaken Your Wealth, Julie Murphy, to host a three-month online workshop aimed at professional working women or mompreneurs who seek to manifest financial freedom. Did you know that taking your manifestations to the next level is about integration of financial planning tools and mindfulness modalities? that help you cultivate the skills to recognize what your current abundance mindset is and build your ability to receive. In three months, you can learn practical skills combined with powerful mindfulness tools to overcome your financial fears, eliminate anxiety, and take control of your financial life. Join us and learn to implement a practical plan to optimize your money and your life. Click on the link at the bottom of the show notes to get on the early sign up list. Namaste. Um, so there's this big gap, um, but in people that have mild cognitive impairment, it's a bigger gap. So like in healthy older people who test normal on cognitive testing, the gap is about um, seven to 9%. So that's a pretty substantial amount of energy your brain's not getting. If you have mild cognitive impairment, it increases to 10 or 12%. Mild Alzheimer's, mild Alzheimer's is 20%. And it just gets steadily worse from there. It could be 40 to 60% in somebody with Alzheimer's where their brain's not getting like 40 to 60% of the energy it needs. And the brain just gradually shrinks. It becomes atrophied. And, um, you know, that's uh, a big part of the problem, you know, with Alzheimer's, there's a big problem with insulin resistance, glucose, not getting into cells normally, the cells needing fuel, to operate and ketones can provide the fuel. So that's where like a keto diet and or other things like MCT oil that increase ketones, there are ketone supplements now that ketone ester I mentioned came out on the market in 2018 and ketone salts came out in 2016. These are supplements. Uh, the thing with the supplements is they, they're temporary. They increase your, the ketone levels for maybe two to four hours, somewhere in there. Um, and then you'll drop back down to your baseline. But if you combine that, you know, with a low carb diet, um, and then, um, you know, I, I suggest to people that they include some coconut or MCT oil, like in each meal, which will help keep a steady level of, of ketone, of ketosis, you know, of ketones, um, it will help maintain it. And then the supplements, you know, I suggest people use them if they want to further boost their ketone level, try to get their ketone level higher, um, but, you know, basically, you know, eating a low carb diet, eating more fat, <laughs> uh, 
we, we were told for many years, decades to eat a low fat diet, which was really a bad idea. Um, and, um, you know, and then, it, but if you include some MCT oil or coconut oil, that will help keep your level of ketone steady that you'll have what they call mild nutritional ketosis. And um, a lot of people now, uh, you know, I hear a lot of reports, but there have also been studies of MCT oil, especially, um, you know, showing that people that have a mild cognitive impairment or mild Alzheimer's do seem to have cognitive improvement. You know, when they, they take um, MCT oil over a period of time, um, there are a couple of studies that they don't call them coconut oil studies. And there's really not much mention of the coconut oil in the article, but for example, in New Zealand, uh, there was a study by Dr. Matthew Phillips and his group. Um, they did one with people who had Parkinson's disease, and they did um, a ketogenic diet, which higher fat diet versus a low fat diet. And then they did another study with people with, with Alzheimer's. Um, the I have a copy of, well, they, they put out in the supplementary materials, you can get their recipe book, which is like um, 130 pages or so long. It's just tons of recipes. Almost all of them have coconut oil in them. <laughs> so it basically, and he had told me it was a coconut oil study, you know, it just didn't come out that way in the the printed report, you know, in the, the scientific article, but, um, but the foods they ate on the ketogenic diet were, were loaded with coconut oil. And, um, you know, and they had very good results for people with Parkinson's and people with Alzheimer's disease. How much um, would one need of coconut oil? Because for a while I was trying to, yeah, include, yeah, but my stomach is a little bit delicate. So how, yeah. how do you find that balance? Because so that the yeah, a little bit of a delicate stomach don't feel. The yeah, pain. a lot of people um, have that um, problem. And uh, just to put it, uh, delicately, um, it can, like some people, the first time they take MCT oil, for example, if they take too much, they can have explosive diarrhea. It can happen very suddenly. So I, you know, and I didn't know that right away because neither Steve or I really had much of a problem with it, you know, but then as I started telling people about it, they started telling me, uh, you know, I, I took it and I had diarrhea, you know, so, um, or my stomach was really upset uh, and, you know, so, um, I, advise people to start with a tiny amount, start with like a half teaspoon of MCT oil, or maybe one teaspoon of coconut oil. The MCT oil seems to be more triggering as far as the, yeah. the intestinal issues, um, but coconut oil can be. Um, and then, you know, to take it two or three times a day with food, like a half to one teaspoon. And then after a few days, if you're doing fine with that, then go up by the same amount, you know, maybe double it. And then do that, just add a little more every few days. And that's a great way to kind of customize yourself to it. And we actually did that with, with Steve, you know, with my husband, um, because in the beginning, you know, we did that. He, he tolerated the two tablespoons fine. But then when we got up to, um, as we were adding more, maybe, uh, oh, I, what happened around six weeks, I started mixing coconut and MCT oil together. And I would use whole coconut, virgin coconut oil for some cooking. But then I mix the virgin coconut oil and MCT oil um, because the MCT oil gets higher ketone levels. So, and that's part of what we were aiming for. Um, but coconut oil has other things in it. We can talk about that in a minute, you know, um, that are also beneficial with people with Alzheimer's. And um, so we were mixing it. And as he got up to maybe 
five or six tablespoons a day, then he did, he would start having intestinal issues, you know? And so we'd back off, wait, just go up a little tiny bit at a time. And, and, um, and he, he was pretty advanced with his Alzheimer's, but you know, he, and he was probably taking more, more than he needed to. We just pushed it to the limit that we could. And he was taking maybe nine or 10 tablespoons a day. That was a lot. Yeah. So I encourage people like if they're aiming for prevention, like I have been, I have it on both sides of my family. I have Alzheimer's. So I thought, you know, if this helps him, this, maybe it could prevent it for me. Yes. You know, I have um, my aunt, my grandmother on the same side and three of my older cousins have all had two died with Alzheimer's. They're just a few years older than me. And one has issues now. Um, and, you know, I don't want that to happen. And I don't feel like it is happening, but I started doing this the day he did yeah. for myself. And I, I aim for three to five tablespoons a day, a kind of a combination of coconut and MCT oil. And um, I'm aware that there's a brand that we've talked about that mm -hmm. sells this combination. I used to take it. I forget there was a formula to it. The name of the MCT coconut oil came in. The oh, world. the MCT one four three. Yeah, three. Yeah, is that yeah. what you still take, or do you make your own combination? I, well, I it basically was my formula, so I make it myself here at home, and and I I buy that when I want to travel because I you can get it little packets, which is nice, and it's that's nice. I, you know, I asked them to do that. Well, they they brought it, they suggested it to me, and then I. I asked them to put it in packets, but also bottles, you know, but the packets like people in assisted living, like they could be prescribed by their doctor, you know, a packet of something or a measured amount of something. The doctor has to write an order and the staff needs to follow through. And the packets are a great way to be able to bring it to somebody that's in assisted living, but also great for traveling or taking to the, to work with you or, you know, whatever. Um, so, um, yeah, it's a formula that is, it's four parts MCT oil to three parts coconut oil. So it's like you would do four ounces of MCT oil, three ounces of coconut oil to make like a bottle of it. Mm. And then um, the one thing that's in it that um, is called phosphatidylcholine, um, it's a very important, it's in eggs. <laughs> Um, it's uh, eggs are the richest source of it, but it's also in, in certain meats, um, and a few vegetables, um, have it. Um, but it's very important. It's in every cell membrane, phosphatidylcholine and very rich in the brain cell membranes. And the choline part of phosphatidylcholine is part of a chemical called acetylcholine. That is a chemical involved in learning and memory in your brain. And it's deficient in Alzheimer's disease. Oh. So um, the, the, the thing in MCT-143 is that it has phosphatidylcholine in it. Now, what you, you could do is do the uh, mix it yourself, you know, four ounces of MCT, three ounces of coconut, and then take um, a supplement of um, choline, but uh, do it as like sunflower or um, soy lecithin or egg lecithin. Uh, they have capsules mm -hmm. and you can get your whole day, you know, requirement of choline by taking a capsule and that, you know, that, that would be another alternative, you know, to taking a product like MCT-143. Now, um, the whole combination, which you've described is, I am so excited because when I read your book, I would love to learn how I can start applying these things. Yes. And uh, that's how the book is. That's what the book is all about. It's, um, 
Um, here, I'll, uh, this probably one, I don't know if this will show on your podcast, perhaps not, but this is the book. Oh, it's yeah. called Clearly Keto for Healthy Brain Aging and Alzheimer's Prevention. And it just came out November 29th. And it took me 16 months to write. <laughs> and it is, it's uh, 500 and something pages. Um, and the first part of the book is really, it kind of talks about diabetes and diabetes of the brain, the problem of brain energy that we've talked about, um, the whole rationale for why uh, it's um, a healthy idea to eat a Mediterranean style diet and why it's it's a good idea to reduce the carbohydrates in the diet and eat more healthy fats, you know, basically a low carb, which could be a ketogenic diet if you eat enough fat or the right kinds of fats. Um, and um, so I go step by step through each of the, you know, why do you need this much protein, you know, um, basically to maintain muscle mass. You know, it's important um, as you age to maintain functionality so that you can get up and down from a chair, go up steps, carry groceries in, you know, lift something that's somewhat heavy, you know, as you get older, or you need to maintain your muscle mass and which maintains your muscle strength and your function. And, um, you know, so protein is a big part of that. Exercise is the other part of that, you know, getting um, some type of exercise. Um, and, you know, so the, the first part of the book, Basically, I go through each of the macronutrients like that about fat. I talk about saturated fat, how it's not probably the big problem that we've been told for decades. Um, uh, what are healthy fats? What are fats you want to avoid? You know, so I go into all of that, a whole lot about coconut oil. And um, so, yeah, so uh, coconut oil, <laughs> besides the ketones, it has half of the oil is a, a fatty acid called lauric acid. And lauric acid is um, antimicrobial. It kills all kinds of bacteria, viruses, fungus. It kills the, the uh, bacteria and um, spirochetes that call, cause uh, dental cavities and gingivitis. Um, it kills the bacteria that cause acne. <laughs> it's really, so it's great on the skin too and in the hair. Um, but um, there is a lot of research that people with Alzheimer's um, that's, triggers for many people uh, could be infections in the brain uh, is, you know, these bacteria microbes get into your brain as you get older, you know, your immune system isn't as strong as when you're younger. Um, there are viruses like herpes simplex virus that people have fever blisters and those nerves, they live in the nerves and they pop out every now and then they kind of hang out in the nerves. Well, these nerves start deep in your brain and there are over 200 studies now of herpes simplex virus as a possible cause of Alzheimer's disease. And um, in my husband's case, I think that that may have been what triggered his Alzheimer's so early because he was constantly dealing with fever blisters. And then um, at one point he had an infection around his eye with these blisters, you know, and he got very sick. Um, he couldn't sit up, he couldn't eat. Uh, he was very sick for about a week. And he just said he never, his brain has just never felt the same after that, you know, and I think that that might've been why he got it so early, you know, so, but lauric acid kills those um, viruses. Um, it dissolves the, the capsule around the virus and basically inactivates it. And um, he rarely, he had constant fever blisters before we started coconut oil and he rarely had one after. He would only get one, like if he had a bad cold, he might get a tiny fever blister and he would have like a setback at that point, a little bit, 
you know, doing some strange things again, you know, and then he'd kind of recover a few weeks later. Um, you know, so the antimicrobial effect of lauric acid. And then the other cool thing about lauric acid is that there uh, is a study from Japan. Uh, there are people in Japan that I've gotten to know quite well, and they wanted to know why Steve would improve so much with coconut oil because the ketone levels are not very high, you know, compared to MCT oil or compared to a ketone ester, you know, but what they found was that in cultures of astrocytes, which are brain cells, that lauric acid stimulated ketone production directly in these cells. Yeah. And yeah, so, um, and astrocytes are cells that nourish the neurons, the main, you know, the very important um, brain cells that that operate everything in our brain, you know, so it looks like coconut oil could act directly in the brain, increasing ketones in these cells in the brain that nourish the neurons. Um, so, um, they, they did this in addition, a lab, you know, and they need to prove that this happens actually in the brain. And, but there is a group now that they have studied MCT oil. They didn't study lauric acid yet, but I, I've asked them to, and they're thinking about doing it. They're trying to figure out how they can do it, but they found that MCT oil also acts directly as a fuel in the brain. In addition to ketones, medium chain triglycerides do cross into the brain they provide fuel to the brain, just like ketones do. And they, they mainly are taken up by the astrocytes. And then the astrocytes, um, they can create um, uh, a fuel and, you know, pass it to the neurons then, <laughs> if that makes any sense. And there's a whole chapter that took me 10 months to write at the end of the book, what goes wrong in the Alzheimer brain that goes cell by cell and goes through all these things in detail. And I tried to write it as clearly as I could, you know, for people who are not scientists that maybe, you know, they'll be able to understand it. Um, and then, um, so, you know, basically the diet that I arrived at is a Mediterranean ketogenic diet and whole food diet, you know, so getting away from packaged and processed foods, um, you know, I mean, packaged, you know, a lot of foods like vegetables, they're washed and packaged. That's, not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about foods that have had, you know, like refined white flour, uh, all that, so much of the nutrients stripped out of it. Um, they have added sugar. They have um, fat, fats, like they've had hydrogenated fats with trans fats. You know, we've just recently getting away from that in the US um, and just all kinds of additives, you know, flavors, you know, chemicals to, to, um, prolong the shelf life, you know, that aren't really part of something our metabolism uses. And then they use synthetic vitamins instead of the natural vitamins that are in the foods, you know, so these processed foods are really bad. And the whole food diet just gets you back to eating whole foods, <laughs> you know, fruits and vegetables, nuts, seeds, um, you know, fish, uh, eggs, um, avocados, you know, uh, olives, um, foods like that. And, you know, combinations of those foods, you know, a lot of companies now I think are making a real effort to try to make simple combinations of whole foods, you know, so basically you look at the label and see what's in it. And if you see a bunch of chemicals, you don't recognize, forget about it. But if it's just a few whole foods that somebody has put together and they're very carefully, it's organic and, you know, um, you can tell, you know, from the label, you know, what they've put in it. And if it's, something reasonable, you know, for you to eat, but, um, basically a Mediterranean style diet. And then, um, basically adjusting, reducing the portions of the carbs. So things like whole grains, 
whole grain rice, you know, could still be in there. You know, I encourage whole grain instead of white rice, because again, the, the white rice has had, you know, the, the, um, so much removed from it, just leaving the white center that doesn't have too much nutritional value. It removes many of the important vitamins. Um, when they do that, it removes the fiber and you're left with about 80 to 90% sugar. <laughs> so white flour and white rice are almost pure sugar. You know, when your body metabolizes them, they don't taste sweet, but they are, you know? <laughs> um, and um, so I tell people, that uh, like an easy way, you know, to kind of reduce your carb uh, intake is to cut your portions that you're used to in half yeah. and start with that. And then when you're used to that, cut it in half again, you know, so basically get yourself down to about a quarter of the portion that you were taking. And, and then, you, you know, you might even measure out, you know, like, like with um, whole grain rice, instead of a big pile on my plate, you know, I, you know, for a while I was eating like a half a cup and then I went to a quarter cup and now some, I've just put like an eighth of a cup, you know, like a couple tablespoons on the plate. And, and that's kind of more like what people used to eat. <laughs> they didn't used to pile up the whole plate with spaghetti, you know, and then put a little bit of something on top of that. You know, it was more the other way around. It was a side dish and, you know, rice was a small side dish and, and just, if you do that, you can easily cut your carb intake in half, you know, yeah. or maybe cut it in a quarter and then, you know, make most of your carbs vegetables. Yeah. And can a Mediterranean diet, like a classic one, when I think of those, there are salads and maybe some fish mm -hmm. and other items. Would you integrate coconut oil in, in any of that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, with the cooking, you know, for one thing, um, the salads, um, the mixture works especially well for, for putting in almost any kind of food. So like the MCT coconut oil mixture, um, I, I put that on salad, you know, I, I measure out like a tablespoon of it and put it on my salad. And then I might include, depending on the type of salad, I might include another like tablespoon of another salad dressing that I like, you know, uh, and that works perfectly well. Um, um, I mix it into yogurt, Greek yogurt. The, the mixture yeah. of the MCT and coconut oil. Uh, I put it in ricotta and make concoctions with ricotta, I call it my ricotta concoction, but, you know, I'll put that or coconut milk, you know, I'll put into ricotta and, um, and then put some grated coconut unsweetened and some nuts into it. I do that with the yogurt. I put a few blueberries on the yogurt, um, you know, that type of thing. So it's, and then you can coat your vegetables. A lot of people will put butter on their vegetables, you know, or olive oil or something like that. Yeah. And I, I just put this mixture on the vegetables, you know, to just kind of coat it a little bit. Um, I also roast vegetables with it. I paint it on, you know, I put all my vegetables on a cookie sheet, you know, like I'll put asparagus and, and um, portobello mushrooms that have been sliced and um, like broccoli, pieces of broccoli or broccolini. And I put it all in a big, you know, you know, cookie sheet. And then I, I make a mixture with uh, coconut oil. I melt it a little bit. Um, and then I, um, I'll put salt and, you know, maybe some pepper and some minced garlic in that and just mix it up and just use a basting thing to paint it onto all the vegetables and then just bake in the oven, like at 375 for about 15 minutes. And then I have this, I have all my vegetables for the week, basically. <laughs> you know, or for at least a few days. And, you know, I just eat a little bit of each vegetable, you know, each day. I just, you know, it's, it holds up pretty well, really for about four or five days in the fridge, at least. 
And um, that's that's such a pragmatic way to approach things. As a busy mom, one of my biggest yeah. challenges is um, trying to get my my son and my husband to really appreciate the vegetables. Yeah. And yeah. I'm vegetarian, but making roasted vegetables is something I do so often. But yeah. if it hurts me, I could do it with the uh, oil combination, the coconut oil. Right. Right. Yeah. You just baste it on there. Uh, well, I have to say you should keep it at 350 or below for coconut oil. If it's, it, it'll smoke above that, Yeah. you know, and in the, in a skillet, you want to stay under medium temperature. So like my, my stove has nine, you know, settings from low to high and I, I don't go higher than four and, and it works fine yeah. there, you know, like a low medium temperature. And, um, um, if it starts smoking, then you've kind of wrecked the oil, you know, but, um, and then, you know, I, another thing that I like to make is some um, spinach. So I'll get a, a 10 ounce, you know, like a package of baby spinach leaves. And, um, and I put, um, about two tablespoons of coconut oil in there and two tablespoons of olive oil, and I'll put minced garlic and I put pine nuts in there and just start that. And then I just kind of put the spinach in, salt it, you know, as I put bunches of spinach in, I salt it and add a little pepper and, um, and, um, you know, sometimes I'll throw another spice that I like, like a garlic herb spice or a, a Greek seasoning or something like that. And then just cook it until it just gets wilted, just gets coated with the oil and it's wilted down and, you know, uh, instead of overcooking it, then I just pull it off and, you know, and there you have, and for me, that's like four servings because <laughs> I, I am by myself, you know, since my husband passed away, but, um, you know, I have, um, I'll just take a fourth of that and, you know, and I've got, you know, my coconut oil, part of my coconut oil that I would normally eat. And, um, and then um, there are also like coconut and MCT oil powders, and one of my favorite things is to make, um, if you've ever heard of bulletproof coffee, <laughs> I don't know, um, uh, people will drink coffee that has, it, it, bulletproof originally was coconut oil, and then it got changed to MCT oil somewhere along the line, but coconut oil in the coffee, um, and um, it, it doesn't break your fast. Like say you do an overnight fast, because it's all fat, it doesn't it doesn't knock you out of ketosis and it actually increases your ketosis. Mm -hmm. So um, I use MCT and coconut oil powder, which blend in very creamily. You can use like a frother, you know, a handheld frother or a blender and just blend the powders in and you have a nice creamy drink. And I'll put a few drops of stevia in it or monk fruit, you know, something like that. Cause I, I like my coffee just a little bit sweet. You know, um, and that's a great way to kind of start off the day and get some MCT and coconut oil. That's a wonderful idea. These are all just tips, I believe, that on a daily basis mm -hmm. are practical ways of integrating these um, elements. And you also right. mentioned um, when you were preparing your husband's diet initially, mm -hmm. integration of coconut, you mentioned all forms. Does that also include coconut water? I'm just curious. Coconut water, it doesn't have oil in it, but there are a lot of other great nutrients in coconut water. And when I make a batch of coconut milk, um, I get the undiluted cans, you know, of just, you know, um, coconut milk. And then I, I mix it with a can and a half of uh, coconut water. 
and it tastes delicious. It's so much better than just using tap water to dilute it. Yeah. It's delicious. And you get all the, it's got, you know, electrolytes in it and all kinds of vitamins and minerals in the coconut water. I was mentioning to you that I make what I call a green potent smoothie almost every few days. It yeah. Takes a lot of discipline. And I don't use water. I actually use coconut water mm -hmm. to blend it. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. I think that's a great idea. And um, yeah, I, um, we were, before we started uh, recording, um, we were talking a little bit about fiber and um, it's a real challenge on a ketogenic diet to get enough fiber <laughs> um, because you're not eating too much in the way of whole grains. Um, legumes are a great way to get fiber and people who are vegan, they almost need to eat legumes to get enough protein in their diet, but they, they're very high in carbohydrate, but they're about half fiber. Um, uh, so, you know, so that those are some ways to get more fiber, but if you're on a keto diet, it's hard to eat very much in the way of legumes, you know, um, and stay in ketosis. So, um, and, you know, like, like the fiber requirements, you know, for example, for women, you know, age 19 to 50 is 25 grams a day. That's a lot of fiber, a whole lot of fiber. And when you look at what you eat and add up the fiber in it, I mean, I was lucky if I could get half of that mm -hmm. eating, uh, you know, Mediterranean keto diet, even though I was including some whole grains and nuts and things like that, and a lot of vegetables. So um, I started um, making a fiber drink recently, you know, um, and it was, you could do it with so many different things, but you know, the, the mixture that I'm using is ketone salts, like a scoop of, from a can of ketone salts. And then I do a scoop of this fiber. Um, the one I got was, um, is it okay if I say a brand or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, the one I found that I like a lot is garden of life, organic raw fiber it's called. So it's fiber from a whole bunch of different plants, you know, uh, uh, vegetables and other, other plants. And, um, it has soluble and insoluble fiber in it, which are both good. And then, um, and then I add a, um, like a scoop of MCT powder, which helps maintain the ketosis. Um, you don't want to, the, to eat that much fiber and have it knock you out of ketosis, but, and then water, you know, but you, I've tried it in coffee. It works well in coffee. Um, it thickens, it gets very, very thick. And, but you could do it with, with coconut water. I think that'd be awesome. I haven't tried that, but I, I have coconut water here. I'm going to do that tomorrow. Um, and then I just blend it with a frother. It's nice and thick. And I just really like the way it tastes and it helps keep you very regular. And it was very important to provide enough fiber to your gut microbiome, the bacteria that are living in your gut. And there's just, you know, the last five years, um, the research on the gut microbiome has just exploded. And they're finding out that so many important metabolites in our body are made by the bacteria in our gut, including metabolites that are used in our brain uh, come from the bacteria in our guts. I mean, they, they've measured it. They've showed you add a certain bacteria in the gut um, and in it like, um, well, they'll do it in animal studies, you know, but um, those uh, metabolites made by those bacteria do show up in the brain and some of them are very important. So, you know, we have to feed our, we have to think about feeding our bacteria too, not just ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. My my desire to continually grow and learn about the gut health has been particularly important as I have um, gotten older. I mean, not that I've had issues, but I've always mentioned to you that mm -hmm. I have a more of a delicate stomach, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do my enzymes, my probiotics, very critical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There 
are certain uh, bacteria that make short chain fatty acids that are also ketogenic. You know, that's uh, like an important role of some of the bacteria, specific bacteria that are in the bowel. Um, so that that is one way that our brain can get ketones is from from our bowel, you know, by feeding our bacteria fiber. <laughs> yeah. Now, and I think there is a generation after uh, um, myself, like um, my son's mm -hmm. generation, I believe I my vision and my hope for that generation is that they've learned what you've now given mm -hmm. to society and they've learned from a lot of the mm -hmm. gurus now talking about the importance of gut health and how it affects yes. the brain. It's so that we can make a shift mm -hmm. perhaps and move away from processed food because yes. they're they've so saturated the western market for mm -hmm. many years it is it is i mean i think i'm probably the first i'm 70 now i might i think i'm the first generation that you know we grew up on processed foods um you know like most of my life um uh, my family it was right at the point where Crisco had become very popular, which was a shortening that was designed to replace lard, you know, which is what humans use for millions of years. <laughs> and then suddenly in the 20th century, you know, um, this company comes along and makes Crisco and, and other shortening companies, you know, made hydrogenated oils that were loaded with trans fats. And so that's, you know, became the popular you know, oil to use. Uh, they didn't know any better at first. I mean, there were bi lipid biochemists that were saying, this isn't a good, we're, we're, we're showing these are going to be harmful. These are not good. They're not beneficial, but they, they were kind of um, suppressed. <laughs> Their message was suppressed. Uh, I know a couple of them personally that were involved in all that. Um, but, um, and then margarine, you know, they started telling us, oh, don't eat butter. It's bad for you. It has saturated fat, you know, eat margarine. Margarine was loaded with trans fat. It, it basically, and they had to color it to make it even look like butter. It was kind of a gray, you know, and they had to color it to make it and resemble butter and put it in sticks like butter and, and all of that. Um, but, you know, it was cheaper and, um, and it was so bad for us. And, you know, so, you know, I've seen estimates that anywhere from like 15 to 50% of American households were using trans fat oils like every day in their cooking that, you know, the, the parents, you know, making the foods were using this in their cooking. And, um, it, you know, it's, it's really what the problem with these trans fats is that they, um, they're, they're fats, like, like the main trans fat is called a lady acid. L-E-L-A-I-D-I-C. And it has exactly the same structure as oleic acid, which is the main fat in olive oil. Mm -hmm. Exactly the same structure, except that it has, it's twisted. It's kind of straightened out. It has what's called a double bond and it's just oriented differently. And it's, it, it uh, basically when they hydrogenate oils or fats, they um, heat them to a very high temperature and they inject hydrogen into them. And, um, and it distorts this, um, the molecule, the fatty acid molecule, and then it forms these trans fats. Well, trans fats also will go, go into our cell membranes. Our cell membranes are made of fatty acids. They're made of what are called phospholipids um, um, or lipoproteins are in there too. Um, but um, they, you know, basically the trans fats will get in the membrane too, and they're very stiff. And the membrane should be very fluid. It should flow. It should be very, you know, it should like when the cell moves, it should move with it. But the trans fats make it very stiff. 
It affects what can get in and out of the cell. It affects the lifespan of the cell, it reduces the lifespan of the cell. You know, so for years, people of my generation and subsequent generations were being fed trans fats, quite a bit of it. And if you're eating fast food, a lot of fast foods were cooked in trans fats. And 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 then to make things worse, you know, these the oils that were used and still are in restaurants are heated at very high temperatures. They're kept that way all day long to make French fries or whatever, you, you know. And then they're used day after day after day, sometimes for a week or longer before they replace the oil. And all kinds of toxic lipids build up in these these um, superheated oils, um, you know, in fast food restaurants. So, uh, you know, uh, when we started the Mediterranean diet, you know, it was <laughs> we were eating a whole lot of processed foods. I'd buy these packaged foods for family style. You know, you put it in the microwave, <laughs> cook it for 15 minutes, and dinner was done. You know, and I, you know, and um, we were going to fast food restaurants a lot. And then, you know, it was when we completely switched over to the Mediterranean diet, you know, it was just so beneficial for us. I ended up losing a whole lot of weight um, just doing that. I, I think it greatly reduced the carbohydrate because I wasn't getting all that extra added sugar, you know, um, and all the white flour, you know, that are in these processed foods. Um, and I, you know, added more exercise too. And I ended up over three years losing 94 pounds. <laughs> which was kind of incredible. And I wasn't hungry. That was the best part, you know, because I had been hungry like my whole life, you know, eating a low fat diet, skim milk. I ate what I thought were healthy cereals that had fiber, but, you know, they were loaded with added sugars and, you know, and, but I'd always want more. You, know, you eat something like that that has sugar in it and you want more sugar. You just, your brain just wants more sugar. And um, when you go on a Mediterranean diet and get away from all that sugar, you stop craving sugar yeah. and you stop thinking about your next meal all the time. And, you know, for by about the third day of switching over to a Mediterranean diet, my carb cravings were gone. And then it was so much easier to lose weight, you know, after that. I can't wait to look at um, some of the ideas I'll get from your book. I think yeah. you mentioned that you do have some recipes in there? Yeah, there's a lot of recipes in there. I'm actually working on um, a booklet that'll be on my website. Uh, if you add color photos to a book like mine, it greatly increases the price. <laughs> so the publisher said, why don't you, they suggested that I put a booklet with recipes with the color photos on my website. So I'm actually working on that now. So that that should be out, I'm hoping the next month or so. When and there'll be Mediterranean diets? It'll be Mediterranean, you know, it'll be very, you know, Mediterranean kind of diet foods and, and keto. It'll be keto Mediterranean with coconut oil, coconut or MCT oil and pretty much every recipe. That is wonderful. I, I can't wait to try it. I mostly, as I mentioned to you earlier, vegetarian, um, almost sometimes occasionally I'll have some fish. Mm -hmm. So I think I can utilize much of mm -hmm. what you said. Yeah. And it sounds like when you were saying that the initial period when your husband was going through integration of the coconut, that you started mm -hmm. to see results very quickly. So for someone like myself and my husband mm -hmm. and son, if we were to integrate as many of these elements into our mm -hmm. diet, we may see uh, improvements, not only in our weight, but also our brain function. Right, right. And there have even been studies, you know, um, uh, 
of well there, there's a, a product it's called cocoa mct that's um it's available it's like a high lauric acid which we talked about mm -hmm. it's a high lauric acid mct oil most mct oils don't have lauric acid but this one does um and um they were uh, they're using it in an Alzheimer study in australia and they did a pilot study with with cognitively normal older people just to make sure they tolerated it before they use it with people with alzheimer's um, here in this country, the name of the product is Carrington Farms Liquid Coconut Cooking Oil. It's about a third lauric acid. Um, and and uh, but what they found in these people who were already cognitively normal, they were between 50 and 70 years old. They took this oil. Um, they got up to it was quite a lot, two tablespoons, three times a day. But they tested they, they improved on their cognitive testing, even though they were already scoring normal. <laughs> which was so interesting. Yeah. And um, so I, you know, um, I, I keep some of that here too at my house. I've had it, you know, for several years. Um, and, um, you know, I, I do my mixture of the MCT and coconut oil too. It's just different things for different purposes. Um, <clears throat> so I'll let you talk for a minute and take a sip of water. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I believe that these are really practical ways of integration. Sometimes you don't need to make this go from one extreme to another, but slow integration. Yes. And, and you can transition, you know, like um, <clears throat> reducing the carbs in the diet. If you do it overnight, some people will get, they call it keto flu <clears throat> yeah. where you um, it's a, it's a, an adaption process, you know, where your metabolism has to switch over to using other types of enzymes that it hasn't been using so much to metabolize the fat. And then there's a lot of uh, going on for metabolizing sugar that your metabolism doesn't need quite so much anymore. So it's a big adaptation process. Um, <clears throat> you tend to lose some water at the beginning of a ketogenic diet, more water than usual. So it's easy to get dehydrated. So people need to drink plenty of fluids, extra fluids. Uh oh, my voice is going. <laughs> you need to get more water. Would you like? Yeah. To <clears throat> Sorry. Oh no, no need to apologize. This happens after I've been talking for a while. Um, Some days worse than others. I have a little um thing called fisherman's friend that I can suck on. Do <laughs> you need to get more water? I've got it right here if I need it here. Okay. This will probably help pretty quickly. <laughs> so you mentioned the keto flu, and I'm familiar with some of these terminologies because of my past experience with keto approach. I am curious about your perspective on fasting. Mm. What I've been doing um, for the last several months, and I, I do, do it on again, off again, but it's become a new discipline for me. Mm -hmm. is that I don't eat until afternoon. Mm -hmm. And my morning though starts off with a big jug. It's usually like this big of a mug uh -huh. of freshly squeezed lemon water, turmeric, mm -hmm. ginger, and sometimes some mm -hmm. uh, pre-soaked chia seeds. To mm -hmm. And I, yep. I, I sip on that for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. Yeah, there's a, it's kind of a trend now. Um, <clears throat> But it's a good trend to do overnight fasting and what they call time-restricted eating. And so I've been doing this for a few years myself, too, um, since about 2016. Well, six years. Jeez. Um, 
So basically, after you've been fasting, not eating any solid food, basically for about 12 hours, you know, and only drinking clear, sugar-free, calorie-free liquids, your body uses up the glucose that's stored like in your liver and you will start breaking down fat and producing ketones like your fat in that situation, some of your body fat will convert to ketones. So you go into ketosis. And then um, what you end up doing is what they call time-restricted eating. You eat in a window of time of say six or eight or 10 hours, you know, and then you limit yourself to eating your meals um, and snacks or whatever during that time. And it's very effective because you do wake up in ketosis in the morning. And then um, if you only have something with fat, like that MCT coconut coffee that we talked about, um, you know, it will just further boost your ketones. But you're drinking there probably would also do the same. You know, I don't think you would, um, it would, I don't think it would take you out of ketosis. Um, And um, you do drink clear fluids, you know, um, during that time, coffee, tea, that kind of thing. Coffee with cream. Cream is just pure fat, you know, basically. So, and then eat, start eating maybe like for me, it's around 12 or one. And I make my main meal then. I flip-flopped, you know, during the pandemic, you know, I've been home a lot more. So I kind of flipped my evening meal to my lunchtime meal. And then I just, you know, I can go quite a long time through the day and maybe eat one more time in the early evening. And then I'll have something like Greek yogurt or cheese and nuts or something like that. All of that sounds so um, powerful in terms of how to not only, I would say, take care of your brain, but also keeping your body in, I would say, a state of mm-hmm. energy, yeah. energy. <clears throat> right. And exercise stimulates ketone production too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's, um, I once heard someone who's in really good shape. She's like in her mid fifties now, and she looks like a rock star. And she said that exercise shapes your body, whereas the food also gives you the nutrition on the inside out oh yeah that's a great way to, to think of it yeah like that well uh dr um newport is there any other words of wisdom you have for the modern mom who's always so busy in trying to do oh. the right thing for the family especially a picky family sometimes where they don't want to eat <laughs> the way i'm trying to prepare oh them. yeah i know it's it's such a challenge you know with um it, that's the next thing I want to tackle because I'm, I'm actually a pediatrician, you know, you become a pediatrician before you become a newborn specialist. And, um, and then, you know, uh, being a newborn specialist is really saving that baby and getting them home as soon as possible. It's all about good nutrition, providing good nutrition. Uh, and I encourage breastfeeding all the time, but I have two more books that I want to write. And one is on helping teens learn how to eat better. And the other one is for families dealing with young children you know, um, I, I call it in my mind, the book is called how to grow a healthy baby with a healthy brain, you know, um, starting with pregnancy and then early childhood. And, um, <clears throat> you know, um, well, a couple things like they, you know, the USDA American Heart Association, they've been like putting out these low fat, uh, guidelines even for children. And it's, it's so, it's such a bad idea. I really hope they come around soon. They've been for decades, they've been saying eat low fat, you know, well, humans didn't eat low fat for all of eternity. And 
till recently, but um, you know, breast milk is about 50 or 60% fat and about a third of that is saturated fat. And, you know, I believe everything that's in breast milk is there for a reason, an important reason, um, you know, except maybe some medication the mother took or whatever like that, you know, but um, what, what your body makes to put in the breast milk, I think is very important. So then, you know, children and formulas are designed to try to mimic breast milk. So they're pretty high in fat too. But when a child is weaned off of formula, you know, say like in the WIC program, Women's Infants and Children program, uh, and in the schools, they're told to eat low fat or, or fat free milk and other dairy, yogurts, you know, that reduce fat. She, you know, it, it, it's just when, when you look at the plate, my plate for children, what they put out for preschool children, there is no fat at all on the plate. You know, it's, it's some protein and it's, it's mostly carbohydrate, you know, a little bit of vegetables and mostly, you know, too much carbohydrate and, and they allow up to half of grains to be refined grains. There's no reason for that. And then up to 10% of the calories can be added sugar. There's no reason for that either. You know, so basically, you know, for younger families, you know, trying to teach your kids to eat whole grains when you introduce them. Um, not adding extra sugar, staying away from these sugary cereals, um, you know, cereals um, just in general are bad because most of them are, you know, they're, um, they start with refined white flour or rice and they add sugar and they might add, you know, they might say they're healthy because they've added some vitamins to them or maybe a little bit of fiber or something like that. You know, I mean, the American Heart Association's put their their heart healthy check all over cereals and they're they're actually very very bad because of the sugar content um um so you know kind of staying away from those kind of things you know introducing you know whole grains uh oatmeal whole grain oatmeal you know if you're going to go for a grain that's a good one i think um <clears throat> for your you know and i think children will like it they it, they they will learn to like basically what you feed them. If you don't feed them all that stuff, you know, they, they, they kind of have no alternative, but to eat. And, you know, um, and I, I've, I have gone to a few conferences that, that talked about young children and, you know, they said that, you know, a lot of kids, they'll, they'll try something for the first time. They'll go yuck, or they refuse to eat it. And they said to introduce a new food to a child seven or eight times before you give up on it, um, put it on their plate, try to get them to smell it and then try to get them to lick it. And sometimes if they'll lick it, then maybe they'll taste it, you know? Uh, and that's kind of a way to kind of introduce new foods to a child or put it, you know, mix it with something that they like, that you know they like, you know? It's funny you should say that because I, I love to cook. I love to cook really whole grain, healthy meals. I mm -hmm. made a white bean kale soup. It was just loaded with nutrients mm, and my son just stared at it all just yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't eat it but yeah but like you said you just have to be very patient keep introducing these things mm -hmm. yeah this is what we're having tonight and <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. I, I know it's it's hard yeah because I did raise um we raised two daughters and unfortunately it was still during my convenience food phase you know yeah. 
Yes. And I, and it, it turned out not good, you know, for both of them. Uh, the, the younger one had, um, had um, gallbladder stones when she was 19 oh, yeah. and she loved French fries and um, chicken nuggets, you know, and she, there were very few things I could get her to eat, but I, I just wish now that I knew what I knew now and that I had tried a whole lot harder to get her to eat healthier foods, you know, um, you know, I regret that. And, and so she, uh, she's doing a better job of it these days. You know, she did kind of come around to keto and started eating some actual vegetables Found out she liked mushrooms and broccoli and things like that that she wouldn't touch before. But, you know, I think, you know, just trying a lot harder and just not having those kind of foods in your house, you know, in, in a way they almost have no choice, but to eat, yeah. <laughs> you know, healthy foods, if that's what you have in your house. Absolutely. And that goes true for even adults. Sometimes it's yes. convenience. In, in fact, right in front of me, I have a, what's called a keto nut and seed bar. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I just, I just keep those kind of things ready yeah. to go if I don't have time to make a, a breakfast or something. Yeah. 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 There's nothing wrong. You know, just look at the label, you know, like we talked about earlier, if it doesn't have a lot of chemicals, you don't recognize on it. You know, if you recognize all the ingredients and their whole foods, then go for it. You know, I think nuts and seeds are a great go-to snack. I, I make a, there's a nut and seed granola that I make that is delicious. And, um, and I, I usually um, have it with a little bit of coconut milk, but it's, um, you know, like a half pound each of about four or five different kinds of nuts that I like, including Brazil nuts and walnuts, pecans, uh, macadamias. It's expensive to make it, but it's worth it. Is it in I your mean, recipe book? Or um, I think it is in this book. Yeah. And, um, and you, should yeah. mention, you mentioned Brazilian nuts. Interesting you say that because I read, and you probably know uh, the science behind it. I read somewhere that um, those nuts are good for selenium because mm -hmm. I have an under-functioning thyroid. It's supposed yeah. to help with that. Mm -hmm. That is true. Yeah. yeah, they're a really good source of selenium. So that's that's one reason that I eat Brazil nuts. They say two, like two, one to two Brazil nuts gives you enough selenium. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, so I include, uh, include those. I really like Brazil nuts. And like when I, um, you know, eat Greek yogurt, in the evening, I usually throw a couple Brazil nuts and a few macadamia nuts in there with it and the grated coconut and yeah. put a few blueberries on top, you know, that, that type of thing. And yeah, I, it's, I'm going to have to find that recipe of yours. So I happen to have from a whole food store, a bag of fresh macadamia nuts and Brazilian nuts. Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah. I love macadamias too. Yes. Yeah. Well, I sincerely mean it that I would love to have you back I can't wait to go through your book absorb that knowledge and particularly start with the recipes because I think mm -hmm. that it sounds like if I am very proactive I, I can see the results yes in a short period yeah you can like um like people that are eating a lot of carbs now you know they're probably hungry a lot of the time because <laughs> that's just you know when you sugar you know when you eat sugar, your sugar level goes up and then your insulin level goes up to try to take care of that sugar, put it into your cells. But then when your insulin level comes down, you get hungry again, you know, and that happens in an hour or two. 
And insulin also puts fat on your body and it keeps it there. So that's another good reason to not be eating a lot of carbs all the time. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. New You're welcome. I am so honored to have this conversation. Oh, I you. learned so much in this short period that we were Oh, that's good. That's what I try to do. So, um, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of other stuff in my book and, and I would love to come on your program again, because there's a whole lot more we can talk about and, um, yes. And, um, if there's anything else you want to share before we wrap up if that's in your book, perhaps you can do a, a mention of those items. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so I'll, I'll just kind of tell you what else is in the book? Well, fructose. <laughs> we talked about sugar, but fructose is especially damaging, very inflammatory. Um, it's um, it's much, much sweeter than glucose, which is why they have been using so much fructose in processed foods, but they created this product called high fructose corn syrup that appeared around 1970 <clears throat> in the US and in Japan. And now it's just really dominated the sugar market. It's in so many different processed foods. It's in um, soft drinks. You know, most soft drinks have um, high fructose corn syrup. Um, and it's it's very inflammatory. It, it can cause um, inflammation in the brain, uh -huh. in your muscles and your joints. It, you know, basically can affect almost any tissue. And so staying away from you know, high fructose corn syrup is a good idea. And table sugar basically is, is half sucrose and half fructose. So even table sugar has a lot of fructose in it. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know that. So that's a good reason to stay away from added sugars, you know, adding sugar, you know, and, you know, making things, you know, pastries and cookies and cakes that have a whole lot of sugar in them. Um, <clears throat> that's particularly hard during the holidays with when there's so many sweets around us. Mm -hmm. Right. And then processed meats, you know, like there's this, this thing about um, red meat being bad for you. You know, you, a lot of people have probably heard that, you know, that you shouldn't eat so much red meat. But um, some of the studies are showing that there's a big distinction between eating processed meats and unprocessed. So processed meats are things like sausages, wieners, um, bacon, you know, um, that have had nitrites added to it, you know, for example, um, there are these compounds that are in, in some of these foods that are called nitrosamine compounds, sodium nitrite, sodium nitrate, you'll see in, um, in um, these deli meats, a lot of deli meats. Um, yeah, and like I said, bacon, uh, but you can find it nitrite free, night, you know, free of these nitrites. The nitrosamine compounds um, in animal studies have caused insulin resistance in the brain. They can show that it's affecting the brain, causing insulin resistance directly in the brain, which decreases glucose uptake and fuel uptake to your brain. So these are really good to stay away from. Uh, there's a few like processed cheeses. Um, it's in some beers, these nitrosamine compounds. It's in tobacco. <laughs> um, so these are really good to stay away from. And it's another thing that is in white flour. They have to fortify it with vitamins because they've taken the vitamins out of it. Mm -hmm. So there's a vitamin that they've added back. That's a synthetic vitamin called uh, thiamine mononitrate. It's a nitrate. And um, yeah, I contacted the, um, the um, 
researcher who had studied these nitrosamine compounds. And I asked her about thiamine mononitrate because it's in all, you know, all white flour in the US. So people are eating it almost every meal and snack. Um, and then, you know, it's also in white rice. A lot of white rice contains a thiamine mononitrate. And she said, well, that's exactly why she does not give refined white flour or rice to her family. <laughs> so I thought, okay, <laughs> I won't be doing that either. And um, I do brown rice mostly when I do serve rice. At yeah. yeah, that's a good, that's much better. It much better because it, it retains like the germ of the grain, you know, that has uh, the nutrients and the fiber and everything in it. So I've even found for basmati brown rice, which is really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brown white rice is great. Yeah. And, and I think it's tastier too. I mean, yeah. you know, um, I, I think it was a little bit of a, um, a status thing at first, maybe, yeah. you know, that's what I've read, you know, like, like um, changing from whole grains to white rice. That was something that, um, um, you know, like the wealthy started doing first. Oh, I didn't know that story. Yeah. And you know, and so only, you know, lower class people ate whole grain rice, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, and I mean, in, in the U.S. too, with sugar, you refined sugar, it was the wealthy who could afford to buy, you know, refined sugar, you know, back in the early 1800s. And people ate about six pounds of sugar per person per year on average in the U.S. then. And now it's over 100 pounds per person per year of sugar oh and sugar. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's really up there so um let's see and then um you know um uh, a lot of there's a, a certain requirement that our body has for iron for example uh, but it's tiny it's a tiny amount and uh, some people will take a lot of iron thinking that they're doing themselves a big favor but you know taking too much iron can be harmful it's 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 uh, if you think of rust what happens you know well something not exactly like that but a similar process oxidation can happen to rust to um, iron, you know, in your brain. And they, they like the plaques that they see in the Alzheimer's brains often have iron in the plaque um, and other metals, you know, like, like that. So, you know, there's a section on uh, various types of, of minerals, metals and minerals, um, iron, calcium, how much to take, but not in what form of it to take, um, but not to take too much of it. So it kind of uh, goes into that. So I have a lot of things beyond diet and beyond keto, you know, that are in this book too. So those are just a few things. There's a lot more. <laughs> I will definitely have you back. And once I get deeper in the book, and I'm actually would love to even talk to you about recipes in a future mm -hmm. podcast, because cooking is one of my passions. Yeah, yeah. It's become a passion of mine. Uh, well, you know, being in medical school and then the job I had in doing newborn intensive care, there were a lot of emergencies. You'd be cooking and get called to the delivery room, you know, and have to just shut it all off. Or my husband could cook for a long time until he got Alzheimer's. He could just take over for me, you know, but um, so it was all about convenience foods, you know, but but now then when we went to the Mediterranean diet, I learned how much I love cooking and actually liked fresh vegetables, you know, and, and fish. I never, I had not really hardly eaten fish, you know, up to that point in my life. And, and now I eat fish three or four times a week Yeah, absolutely. Know, and, and fresh vegetables all the time, you know, that's, you know, I don't buy, you know, canned vegetables anymore, mushy and too much salt and that kind of well, stuff. <laughs> my husband's from the Midwest where he was raised eating canned vegetables, but yeah. my mom made fresh curries 
and fresh veggies. Mm -hmm. And so he he gets exposed to that with, with my cooking. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I, I hope you have a wonderful um evening and or day. And we'll we'll thank connect you. soon. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed uh talking with you today. Thank you, Doctor. I really did as well. You're welcome. Thanks again for tuning in. Check out the links in the description and please subscribe, follow, and share and continue to practice Omni Mindfulness.